Can you dream of a world immune to cancer? Hello, everyone. My name is Nick, and I'm the host of the annual live stream for The Cure, where content creators and podcasters from around the world join me to raise money for the Cancer Research Institute and Immunotherapy Research, which is training the body's immune system to fight against all forms of cancer. Over the past seven years, thanks to the power of indie podcasters and the indie podcasting community and listeners just like you listening to this right now, we have raised over $90,000. And as I record this now, the eighth annual live stream for The Cure is barreling down upon us really, really quickly in just about two weeks. So join us, please, from May 29th through June 1st for 48 hours of amazing content from people all over the world and help us fight for a world immune to cancer. And I'll return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Thank you so, so much. And together... We can make a difference. A philosopher once asked, are we human because we gaze at the stars or do we gaze at the stars because we are human? Pointless, really. Do the stars gaze back? Now that's a question. Sir Ian McKellen is definitely better at this than I am. In a world overflowing with movies, we need a hero. Someone to separate the bad from the Hi everyone, I'm Em and welcome to Verbal Diorama episode 25, Stardust, which, as I've discovered, has an unintentional lovely little link to the next episode, but more on that later. 25 episodes, so this is basically the quarter of a century episode. Um, That's crazy. It feels simultaneously like I've done more than 25 episodes and that I haven't done hardly any episodes at all, um, which is weird. Maybe that's just because, as always, there's so much going on right now. I actually just found out my column for Film Stories is continuing. Um, Originally, it was going to be for three months. And I never really kind of advertised the fact it was just for three months because I kind of wanted to see how it would go. Um, And then I got a call basically saying, carry on, you're not writing utter drivel or something along those lines. So that's pretty cool. That is going to carry on indefinitely. Um, There's no kind of scheduled end date for that at the moment. So, yeah, keep buying magazines, guys, because I'm going to be in them for the foreseeable. And unsurprisingly, um, because my immune system seems to be just complete rubbish right now, um, I was ill with norovirus, which is like a sickness bug that's currently going around the UK at the moment. Um, So this episode's late. And if I stick to the December schedule that I planned... I have about a week to release two more episodes. So we will see how I manage with that. Um, The problem is I really want to do the next episode, like really, really. And then the episode after that is a Christmas movie. So it kind of has to come out for Christmas. And Christmas is like a week and a bit away. So um, December was supposed to be my chill out month. It was supposed to be the month where I didn't do any guest slots, where I just kind of concentrated on verbal diorama and the writing. And that was kind of it. Um, basically that hasn't happened it's just been like go 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 (laughs) 
everything is going on at the moment. So I have not had a chill out month at all. Luckily, uh, for this episode and the previous episode, uh, I now have the power of a Patreon producer. And that is Sade from Offscreen Babble. And I've actually been chatting to Sade just recently because she's one of the John Wick patrons. Well, she's the only John Wick patron because I've only got three patrons and they're all wonderful. But she is a Patreon producer and she's basically on the John Wick level. And because she's a John Wick patron, one of the perks is she actually gets a free item of currently non-existent merchandise. Um, and I'm actually going to get some made in the new year. Um, and so Sade will be the first recipient of an official verbal diorama mug. Yay. Um, and if you want one too, or a t-shirt, because it'll probably be like mugs and t-shirts and stuff, then let me know on social media or email or however you want to get in touch with me. And I will add you to the currently non-existent merchandise waiting list. Um, hopefully the quality will be really good and hopefully Sade will, uh, pop pop it on twitter or something when she gets it so that people know what it looks like but i am kind of still hoping to do that um but i'm kind of with the whole sort of patreon thing being pushed up a little bit i'm kind of having to push up the merch a little bit as well so i'm currently just trying to get everything done literally everything in the whole world i'm trying to get done right now so um i am still trying really hard to to do everything um so hopefully merch new year let me know if you want some um and that's kind of it for news so i think we need to move on to stardust because i want you to come with me to england which is where i live to a quaint little village called wall which is not where i live uh where we'll meet a young man called tristan tristan is a shop boy with big dreams uh dreams to marry his true love victoria but there are shop boys and there are boys who just happen to work in shops for the time being well, dear listeners, as in all good fairy tales, people aren't what they may seem. I have a surprise for you. Victoria, for your hand in marriage, I'd cross oceans. You're funny, Tristan. Oh, Tristan, a shooting star! I'd cross the wall and I'd bring you back that one star. You can't cross the wall. Nobody crosses the wall. Have you seen a fallen star anywhere? We're in a crater. This must be where it fell. Yeah, this is where I fell. You're the star. You're the star? Really? Oh, wow. You've seen stories of magical worlds. <laughs> wicked witches. <laughs> flying pirates. And dashing princes. But never has there been an adventure quite like this. Everyone's talking about a fallen star. When I find her, the glory of our youth shall be restored. This is the part where you tell me who you are and why you're up here. We're just trying to make our way home. Touché. You better be telling the truth, you two-faced dog. I can get you one of them, actually. Very good guard dogs. They can watch the back and the front door at the same time. Enough. Where's the girl? You have seconds to live. Now we shall begin. I know what you are. 
Hold me tight. Think of home. Very brief um, synopsis for Stardust. When a star falls from the sky, Tristan Thorne sets out to find a fallen star for Victoria, the girl he's in love with, only to find that the star is a humanoid woman named Yvain and that three evil witches want to capture her. Yvain is also being chased by heirs to the throne of the magical kingdom of Stormhold, who seek Yvain's ruby necklace. Where did I get that synopsis from? It's pretty rubbish. I, I don't know. I copied and pasted it from the internet. Um, that is a very, very basic synopsis. Um, the problem with a movie like Stardust is there's so much going on. It's really difficult to summarise sort of everything. I suppose that's a really basic synopsis. But obviously, by this point, I'm hoping you've actually seen Stardust. Because, as with all episodes, spoilers. Um, but... Let's have a look at the cast, because this is a movie that's got an incredible ensemble cast. It's got Claire Danes as Yvain. So this was pre-Homeland, which is obviously, I think, the thing that most people know her mainly for nowadays. Um, but up until this point, she had a very kind of long and varied career. Um, and Claire Danes has been in my life pretty much since my so-called life. And also uh, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. She played Juliet in that movie opposite Leonardo DiCaprio. It's one of my favourite films. So my history with Claire Danes has been kind of long and varied. Um, so I remember when this movie came out and when I found out it had Claire Danes in it, I was all for it because I think she's absolutely fantastic in pretty much everything she does. Um, and then Charlie Cox. So Charlie Cox plays Tristan Thorne. Um, and at the time, he was a complete unknown. And specifically, they wanted a complete unknown to play Tristan. Um, of course, now he's pretty much known everywhere as playing Matt Murdock, uh, a.k.a. Daredevil in the Marvel Netflix TV show, which is, A, the best Marvel TV show ever. And I will live and die on that hill. And B... I don't even know what B is. <laughs> I don't know. He's so great. He's so great as, as Daredevil. Um, but yeah, this was basically the first the world had seen of Charlie Cox. And I think everyone kind of thought, well, Charlie Cox is going to be really big. And then he wasn't. But thankfully, Daredevil came along and he proved basically his chops at everything. We also have Sienna Miller as Victoria. Ricky Gervais as Ferdy the Fence. Jason Fleming as Primus. Rupert Everett as Secundus, Mark Strong as Septimus, Peter O'Toole as the King of Stormhold, Michelle Pfeiffer as Lamia, Robert De Niro as Captain Shakespeare, and as I mentioned at the start of the show, Ian McKellen as the narrator. And there is no voice on this earth, apart from perhaps Morgan Freeman, who can narrate like Ian McKellen can narrate. So this whole cast is, like I say, it's ensemble, it's brilliant. It's got stars left, right and centre. But also, there's a lot of British comedic and acting talent sort of in very minor roles in the background that people might not know. So I'm going to mention a couple of them. I'm going to mention Mark Heap um, of Spaced and Greenwing fame. He plays Tertius. Julian Ryan Tut, uh, also of Greenwing as Quartus. Sarah Alexander, also of Greenwing as Lamia's sister Empusa. David Walliams as Sextus, uh, Ben Barnes as young Dunstan Thorne, 
Henry Cavill as Humphrey, Dexter Fletcher as one of Shakespeare's pirates, Mark Williams as Billy the Goat, um, in human form, not as the goat. Um, and if you're a fan of Sting or the police, um, Sting's daughter, Elliot, um, is credited as Coco Sumner in this movie. She plays the first star, Ingrid, who's essentially Evane's sister. Um, so, yeah, this is basically the creme de la creme of the like, sort of 2000s um, British comedic talent. There's everyone who's anyone is in this movie. Um, it was directed by Matthew Vaughan. This was his second directorial offering after Layer Cake. It was written by Matthew Vaughan and Jane Goldman, and it was based on Neil Gaiman's book Stardust. So, as with all good fairy tales, it starts with a prince, and his name is Neil Gaiman, and he's probably one of the most prominent modern British storytellers alive today. His work has been adapted into movies and TV shows, most famously Leica Studios' first feature film Coraline, um, and also the TV shows Good Omens and American Gods. They are all adapted from Gaiman's work. So Gaiman's novel Stardust was published in 1997 by DC Comics as a prestige format four-issue miniseries illustrated by Charles Vess. And it was also published in 1998 as a complete book. And it was titled Neil Gaiman and Charles Vess's Stardust, being a romance within the realms of fairy. Um, and Neil Gaiman retained all copyright to the story and he was encouraged to publish Stardust as a conventional novel without the pictures. And he did so in 1999. Just before that, Miramax actually gained the movie rights. Um, and then Neil Gaiman actually got them back after two years because Miramax did nothing with them. Um, it was supermodel Claudia Schiffer, who's actually kind of responsible for the Stardust we know and love. So Claudia Schiffer was pregnant with her first child, Casper in 2002 and she started reading Neil Gaiman's book and she loved it so much that she persuaded her husband to read it and her husband is Matthew Vaughan. Interestingly you'll notice that Captain Shakespeare's flying ship is called Caspertine um, and quite sweetly that's after his son Casper and daughter Clementine, the children that he shares with Claudia Schiffer. So Stardust, the novel, is quite different to the eventual movie that was made. As with most kind of book-to-film adaptations, quite a lot is removed, taken out, there's quite a lot added. It's always the same. You're never going to find a book-to-movie adaptation that is 100% faithful. The main character's name in the book is Tristram. T-R-I-S-T-R-A-M. And this was changed to Tristan because apparently it was an error that was in one of the earlier screenplays. And it just kind of stayed in, I think, because the name Tristram is so difficult to say. I mean, I really struggle with Trish, Trish, blech. <laughs> Tristram, uh, whereas I don't struggle with Tristan. So Tristan's a lot easier to say. It kind of rolls off the tongue a little bit better. Um, and all the way through to pretty much the level of detail in the novel is just so much more comprehensive and the characterizations. there's so much more going on. Um, but interestingly... Um, the changes that were made in the movie were all given Neil Gaiman's blessing. So Neil Gaiman was pretty involved in this movie and he retained the creative control. But he also kind of gave the project wholeheartedly to Matthew Vaughan and, and really trusted him with the material. And so Matthew Vaughan offered Neil Gaiman the script and Gaiman actually refused. Um, and he basically said, and I quote, I wrote the novel, but this is your film your vision, but I will help you. 
It was Neil Gaiman who found Jane Goldman and introduced her to Matthew Vaughan in order to help him adapt Stardust and also help him introduce the more romantic elements, which is apparently something that he was really struggling with in earlier versions of the script. And Matthew Vaughan has actually since gone on to work with Jane Goldman for several more projects, um, including Kick-Ass, X-Men First Class, Kingsman The Secret Service and its sequel The Golden Circle, as well as X-Men Days of Future Past. Pretty much all of those are stellar, um, except maybe The Golden Circle, which isn't. So the writing team of Matthew Vaughan and Jay Goldman, it seems, is is written in the stars. I'm trying to get as many star puns in um, as possible. I don't know if you've noticed, but I am trying. The great thing about Stardust for me, and there's so many great things about Stardust, by the way, there's too many great things about Stardust. If I talked about the great things about Stardust, this episode would easily be three hours long. Um, But one of the great things about Stardust is there's not one clear villain. Michelle Pfeiffer is clearly having the time of her life sort of playing the head of the Lilim Coven Lamia and she's ruthless and determined um, and as soon as she transforms from sort of aged and withered to youthful and gorgeous she kind of revels in this youth and beauty as opposed to her somewhat decrepit sisters she's almost unapologetically gloating but because the youth and beauty won't last her quest for the fallen star gives the story its sort of primary antagonist But Septimus isn't far behind um, because Septimus will do anything to become king. You know, he'll kill his brothers. He ignores his long lost sister because patriarchy. He'll dispatch priests and soothsayers, basically anyone who he thinks is working for one of his brothers. He thinks an enchanted Ferdy defence is mocking him, so he kills him too. And interestingly, at the end, once his nephew Tristan becomes the heir, his spirit is the only one that goes down to hell. Um, And you'll notice that all of the other brothers' um, sort of ghostly forms kind of turn blue and go up. And he turns red and goes down um, because he really is genuinely that evil. Uh, Ditchwater Sal similarly has her own intentions when discovering there's a fallen star. But then is cursed with never seeing, speaking to or touching the star by Lamia. Um, She has enslaved the princess Una at some point and Una can only be freed once Sal is dead. Victoria um, is kind of a villain actually because she's a bit of an entitled brat i mean she's not a villain in the traditional sense of villain um but she's taken advantage of tristan's feelings um when she kind of seems to want to really sort of climb this social ladder she wants to be with the wealthiest and most handsome man around that's never in her eyes going to be a shop boy um similarly humphrey um who's a creation for the movie is really only around to best Tristan at the start and then be bested by him at the end. And it's an almost unrecognisable Henry Cavill. Um, This is basically when Superman took on Daredevil, guys. The comparisons to The Princess Bride are inevitable and slightly inconceivable as well. Uh, I had to get that in. But since they're both sort of comedic fantasy ensembles based on books with pirates, princesses, witches... The similarities are actually really interesting considering the 20-year age gap between the two. Um, The Princess Bride, where we've got a farm boy, not a shop boy, has since become a cult favourite after struggling at the box office originally and and with its marketing. It's interesting then that Stardust seems to have kind of met the same fate. Time will tell if it becomes that kind of similar fan favourite in the future. But box office-wise, Stardust costs $70 million dollars and made $135 million worldwide. And then if you look at The Princess Bride, 
which costs $16 million and returns $30 million, there's actually not much in it when it comes to like percentage wise. Also, the trailer for Stardust suggests it's more of a Lord of the Rings style epic. The Princess Bride is probably more of a comedy because it has those iconic lines. Stardust is a comedy, but it doesn't kind of rely as much on its comedy. It relies more on the way it looks, which sounds like I'm knocking it, but I'm not because I think Stardust is funny. Um, there's some really great lines that are completely improvised. I think The Princess Bride is gorgeous as well. I think it's a natural comparison piece for the two movies to kind of be compared to each other. I think both have their strengths. They're not identical. They are both great in their own ways. I've read a few pieces from just sort of internet people of both kind of explaining why one is better than the other. But in my view, neither is better than the other. Uh, Princess Bride feels kind of more iconic in the sense that it's older and most people grew up with it. But Stardust feels like a spiritual successor to Princess Bride, if if one was ever necessary. I do find as well that Stardust feels a bit more adult. Um, and I realise I realize I make that sound like it's an adult version. Um, but I mean it in the way that it, it, it kind of treats its audience there's like a fine line between a movie for children and a movie for families and a movie for grown-ups. And I kind of feel like it's a movie for families, but it kind of teeters on that movies for grown-ups thing as well, because it, it does have a bit more of a creepy tone to it sometimes. Um, for example, the scene where Lamia breaks Septimus's legs and drowns him with a voodoo doll. I mean, that is quite chilling. If only for the, the actual sound effects of the breaks each time. Uh, and then that beautiful effect of, of Mark Strong as Septimus kind of floating in midair is, is still looks absolutely wonderful. But then, well, that's not bad enough, um, but then she reanimates his dead body to fight Tristan with a sword. Um, and that is actually really quite chilling um, and a little bit freaky because the, the stunt work in that scene is absolutely phenomenal. That kind of freaks me out a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Um, so I think as natural comparisons go, I think that it's, it is very easy to compare the two. I am not going to turn around and say that Stardust is better than The Princess Bride. But similarly, I'm not going to turn around and say that The Princess Bride is better than Stardust because I think they're both fantastic. It is inevitable that people compare them. But Stardust is still, even if you like Princess Bride, I think you will find something to like in Stardust. Um, also... As is tradition, it kind of has been tradition since August. I always like to get um, a little reference to uh, Mr. Keanu Reeves, and and I thought to myself, how on earth? Because sometimes this happens. How on earth am I going to get a reference to Keanu Reeves in this movie? Um, and I thought, well, you know, maybe I could do some sort of six degrees of separation or something to Keanu. I'm pretty sure that he's been in a film with someone who's been in a film with Michelle Pfeiffer or Robert De Niro. That'll be easy. And then I thought, no, 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 there's going to be some sort of reference to Keanu Reeves in this movie. And by Jove, I've done it again. <laughs> I'm, always, <laughs> I'm always so proud when I find a really, really good Keanu Reeves reference for my podcast. Um, so Keanu Reeves was interviewed by Jimmy Fallon on The Tonight Show in 2018. And Jimmy Fallon asked Keanu a question about whether he would found the elixir to immortality. Because as we all know, Keanu Reeves does not age. He uses the same face cream as Paul Rudd or something because neither of them seem to age. And so when Jimmy Fallon asked him whether he'd found the elixir to immortality, 
Keanu replied, we're all stardust, baby. And this is me dropping the mic right now. (laughs) This is literally the gift that keeps on giving Keanu Reeves. Right, back to stardust, not Keanu. So there are many, many characters in stardust. We haven't really talked about any of them. Um, We've got Yvain, who is a star. She gets thrown out of the sky by the king of Stormhold's uh, ruby necklace. She falls to the ground. Um, She is a little bit acidic in her view of Tristan. She ends up actually saving the day at the end, which is nice as well. Um, Tristan starts out as... He's not just a shop boy. He's just a boy that works in a shop for the time being. But he's a dreamer. You know, he has... He has big dreams, he has big aspirations for his life, but he has this aspiration to marry this woman, Victoria, and he meets Yvain, and initially he's all about taking Yvain to Victoria. And then he actually gets to know her, and they go on a little adventure together, and he realises that she's actually the one that he loves. But the person who actually helps him figure this out is a character called Captain Shakespeare. And I want to focus on Captain Shakespeare specifically because Captain Shakespeare is played by the legendary Robert De Niro. And Robert De Niro's role in this movie is one of my favourite roles he's ever done. And I mean, this is a guy who's got a career spanning over 50 years, you know, playing these typically macho, tough guy gangster patriarchal roles um he's won oscars for the godfather part two and raging bull and he's been in some of the biggest most successful movies of all time and i kind of feel like there's a certain point where if you want to hire an actor of his caliber you want that in your movie to show um to show the gravitas of the situation and i kind of feel like in this movie they they kind of have a two-pronged attack on this is a seriously great movie and we can prove that because our movie's got Michelle Pfeiffer and Robert De Niro. Um, and I think I think that works really well because I think when you've got stars of that level playing such great characters in the movie, it really kind of elevates all of the material and basically everyone surrounding them. Um, and I must admit, Having Robert De Niro in your movie isn't necessarily always a sign of quality. Those Fokker sequels are really, really quite bad. Um, I'm sorry to have to say it, but they are. Um, But I do think that, like I say, it does give your cast some gravitas. Um, And Captain Shakespeare has a fearsome reputation as this bloodthirsty pirate. And essentially, his main importance in life is to maintain that reputation um he goes as far as to pretend to throw tristan off the flying caspertine to show his crew how dangerous and serious he is um but we find out um once they (laughs) once he throws a dummy wearing tristan's clothes out the ship we find out that he's a really kind misunderstood lovely man also who happens to cross-dress in his spare time Um, And this is a really interesting sort of route the movie takes. Um, It turns out that he has this reputation that he doesn't want to ruin. Um, He fears that if he comes out to his crew or to anyone else, uh, that 
he's a cross-dresser, then it would ruin him. It turns out, actually, that the crew know. Um, and they still love him regardless, which is a really, really nice message, actually. Um, and it speaks to De Niro as an actor um, who's made a living out of playing characters with dubious character that he can simultaneously portray this fearsome pirate and also revel in the scenes where he can dance the can-can in a frilly pink dress. Um, interestingly, Charlie Cox and Claire Danes didn't need to act scared in front of Robert De Niro because they genuinely were. Because you would be if you were put up against the man, the legend, Robert De Niro. And as I kind of uh, alluded to, the makers of the film really took a risk um, in portraying this kind of ultra-masculine character as a private cross-dresser. Um, as did Robert De Niro himself. But I think he kind of, he really takes this role and he really has fun with it. It turns out that that risk really paid off because fans of the movie absolutely love the character of Captain Shakespeare. Um, and he is really um, a representative for basically anyone who's lived their life in the closet, afraid to come out to their nearest and dearest for fear of that you know, reputation, whatever that reputation is, whether it's a reputation that you're straight, that it doesn't matter. Because if Captain Shakespeare can come out as who he is, then anyone can. And interestingly, um, Glad actually agreed um, because Stardust won the Glad Media Award in 2008 for Outstanding Film Wide Release. Because I think the LGBT community really embraced this character of Captain Shakespeare. And genuinely, it is one of Robert De Niro's greatest performances. And as I said, this is a guy who's lived his career doing great performances. But And this is something completely different to anything he's ever done. And he just puts his heart and soul into it. And he's genuinely really wonderful to watch. He's mesmerising. He's, he's loving his private life that he's living on the ship and it's it's wonderful to see stardust also has the accolade of containing my favorite take that song uh, on the soundtrack now i've never been a massive fan of take that um in fact yeah you could argue i've never been a fan really at all of take that it was never really my boy band of choice um as i was growing up but i know that there are a lot of people out there who did love take that but for me rule the world is Take That's best song ever. And it's a beautiful song, and it's on this soundtrack, um, and it's lovely. Interestingly as well, just in case, FYI, if anyone's ever planning to come to England and they want to find the village of Wall, it's in Staffordshire. It's near Lichfield. I don't know if it's the genuine, real-life wall. Um, I don't know whether there is a wall. I don't know whether you can go, you can cross into Stormhold. Um, from the village of Wall, but visit Wall, you might find out. So we always like to do social media thoughts. Um, and to be honest, I didn't get that many for Stardust. Not a massive surprise, um, just because I kind of feel like, I think people know it, people know of it. Um, but as I say, I think sometimes the comparisons to another movie can maybe put people off watching it. And it didn't do brilliantly um, on release. So I think it's one of those movies where I think people who watch it genuinely love it, but people who don't watch it really don't kind of seek it out. It is very much worth seeking out. Um, so on Twitter, at NFTDT, which is 
the wonderful Not For The Dinner Table. And this is Dave from Not For The Dinner Table. Hi, Dave. Um, by the way, before I give Dave's comment, I'm very, very excited because I've been talking to Not For The Dinner Table. And Not For The Dinner Table is not a movie podcast. They basically deal with all sorts of really spooky kind of occult um, horror and myths and legends and all sorts of really really cool wonderful things ghosts oh my god they did a, they did a wonderful episode on ghosts um, but I'm really excited because I've been talking to Dave and Soph and we've been talking about us doing like a little episode like a little collaboration episode next year so I'm really excited about that but I just needed to <laughs> I just needed to say it because um, we have we have been kind of talking about it and hopefully that will all kind of happen because Dave and Soph are just the loveliest loveliest people anyway let me go back let me Dave <laughs> from Not For The Dinner Table said what a wonderful movie it's lovely to see a new fairy tale come to the big screen Something I think we will see less and less of, what with all the Disney live-action remakes and sequels galore, this type of movie is now exceptionally rare and should be celebrated. Absolutely it should be. Um, I actually didn't mention that technically it's, it's not a new idea in the sense that it's not like an original idea. It is an adaptation of a book, but I do agree with Dave in that these movies are becoming less and less so I do think we need to celebrate them and it's like I said before with Passengers Passengers was a completely original idea yeah it wasn't brilliant but we should still celebrate these movies in some small way because otherwise they will disappear and we will just get the Disney live action remakes and the sequels and the prequels and the reboots and and all of that kind of stuff and that's all we'll ever get so 100% agree with Dave at Trivia Chic said, I'm not much of a romantic movie person, but the combination of humour, love and action just hits as such a great mix. There is a cheeky nature to this movie that isn't easily achieved, but it's so refreshing in a landscape of movies that can be so ham-fisted. Stardust rocks. And finally, uh, at This Film Is Lit said, We got engaged during our episode on Stardust. Which is lovely, which is really, really cute because Stardust is... First and foremost, a, a little romance. It is a really, really cute romance story. You can see the love blossoming between Yvain and Tristan. Um, so that is super cute. And congratulations, you guys. That is wonderful. Over on Instagram, at Contrarian Prime said, And introducing Daredevil. I remember watching this when it first came out and going, That Charlie Cox guy is great. He's going to be a star. Then he basically disappeared for about a decade. But he eventually got his due. Love the movie. I dare say it's even better than the book. And the climactic battle is one of my favourite sword fights ever. At Sherbert underscore Lemons said, One of my favourite films. I actually think it's more entertaining than the book and I love the cast. Fallen in love with Charlie Cox. And at Book of Lies podcast said, OMG, I love this movie. Nothing from Facebook, which is not a big surprise because I don't really get to tend, tend to get much from Facebook. But I have a couple of very, very special quotes so I have real life comments, which is the first. I've never had real life comments from anyone who knows me in real life. But I have a real life comment from my sister who's finally watching a movie that I'm covering only 25 episodes late. And my sister says, I forgot how much I loved it. Such a fantastic fairy tale. I think it's a good mix of fairy tale and adventure. I enjoyed it. And if you think I'm happy with that, the fact that my own sister is, is giving me quotes for a movie, this is basically, what's next, is basically the biggest news of Verbal Diorama ever. 
because my three-year-old nephew has given me something to say about Stardust. Now, he watched Stardust for the first time the other night and he was very excited. And this is what he said. I love it when the star blew away the nasty witch. And if that isn't a glowing recommendation, I'm not sure what is. As always, thank you to everyone who's given me some comments. I have to obviously thank my sister and my nephew for watching Stardust and giving me some comments. I am always down for people in real life. (laughs) Anyone who's listening to this podcast who knows me, just like give me a call or a text or something and say, that episode that you're doing next, here's some bits about it because I'm always down to mention people that I know. Um, So that is the first time that someone in real life and that is my sister and my nephew. My nephew is three years old, guys, and he loves Stardust. So if you're over the age of three, you should also love Stardust. He did have some other things to say, um, but I think he got a bit confused because he started talking about how much he loved the baby. Um, (laughs) I probably shouldn't say that because it kind of makes his... Uh, other comments kind of seem like he doesn't know what he's talking about but guys he's three um he said he loved the baby um and his favorite character was mummy um so unless my sister was also in stardust which i don't believe she was um i'm not really sure kind of what he's talking about um because i don't know who the baby well suppose there was a baby there was a baby at the start maybe he just liked baby tristan I'm not sure. I'll ask him um, and I'll I'll confirm those details with my three-year-old nephew um, and update you all. But final thoughts, because I kind of feel like with a movie like Stardust, there is this, like I said, there's so much that you could talk about. Um, And I feel like I'm running out of time and I've hardly said anything. I say this a lot on this podcast that I... I have all of these points that I want to talk about and then I reach kind of the 40 minute level and I'm like, but I haven't talked about anything. I guess final thoughts. If you've watched Stardust and you think Charlie Cox is good, um, watch Daredevil. He's outstanding. Um, Young Tristan Thorne grew up and glowed up um, because he's hot in Daredevil. Super hot. Thank you for listening. As always, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Stardust. Before I announce the next episode, earlier I mentioned Sade, our Patreon producer, um, and I mentioned she had her own podcast. So I want to tell you a little bit about Offscreen Babble, which is hosted by Sade and her husband, Kyle. Their podcast is genuinely one of my absolute favourites. As a Patreon producer, um, as part of her perks, Sade also gets an ad. Although this is technically an ad, it's actually more of a recommendation because I think Offscreen Babble is absolutely amazing. Sade and Kyle are intelligent and funny and they always have so much content. And, you know, they're a married couple. They have amazing chemistry. I've been a fan of Offscreen Babble pretty much since the start. Um, and that's mainly because Sade has was pretty much the first person who I got talking to sort of in podcast world. And she is the most wonderful, supportive person. So I have genuinely been a fan sort of since day one. And I kind of find with Offscreen Babble that it gets better every time you listen to it. Like I say, the sheer amount of content they cram in is absolutely mind-blowing. And Sade and Kyle are just wonderful people. And we need more of them in the world. You can listen to Offscreen Babble by searching for them in your podcast app. 
they're on everything so apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify um you can also find them at offscreenbabble.com uh, or on twitter instagram and facebook at offscreenbabble so next episode patrons Sade, simon and hardy l already know what this is but for the next episode i'm feeling like this podcast has been too devoid of keanu reeves and i'm wondering how to rectify that um well it's christmas soon so you might think i'd go for something a bit festive you know perhaps the classic babes in toyland um the thing is what is christmas without angels specifically half angels and half demons this christmas i'm celebrating keanu's hellblazing role as john constantine um and it's a gothic flawed fantasy straight out of the pages of the hellblazer comic which as i mentioned at the start has a fascinating link to stardust because neil gaiman actually contributed to the constantine comics look out for constantine just before christmas and additionally i really want the christmas movie episode to come out in time so i'm going to try really really hard to get both out before christmas so fingers crossed if you like this episode i've also done episodes on <clears throat> here we go this list is getting bigger titan ae captain marvel dread who framed roger rabbit sky captain in the world of tomorrow pleasantville the cabin in the woods speed aladdin 1992-2019 pirates of the caribbean the curse of the black pearl x-men dark phoenix charlie's angels 2000 the mummy 1999 the matrix john carter willow the iron giant scott pilgrim versus the world Logan, Edge of Tomorrow, Legally Blonde, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 4, Episode 10, Hush, Mystery Men, and Passengers. And they can all be downloaded wherever you get your podcasts from. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Letterboxd at Verbal Diorama. As I've mentioned, you can sign up to support the show at patreon.com slash verbal diorama from $2 a month, and you can get some fab perks. Um... The $2 a month level gets you access to the upcoming schedule. It gets you a shout out on the next episode and it gets you bonus episodes. Um, and basically you can go all the way up to the $50 a month level and you can become a Patreon producer, just like Sade. You can email me general hellos, feedback or suggestions, verbaldiorama at gmail.com. My website is verbaldiorama.com. If you like what I do and you want to leave me a great review, you can do so on iTunes or Podchaser, and I'd really appreciate that. And as I mentioned, I have a column over at Film Stories magazine, which is an independent British movie magazine. Um, I would love it if you could support that magazine and the wonderful people who work on it by popping over to filmstories.co.uk slash magazine. You can purchase one-off copies of the back catalogue. You can subscribe. Um... And I'm not going to say you might because you will see me pop up in future issues. Um, I'm also currently doing work for Film Stories Online, where I recommend a great British movie podcast each week. So keep an eye on the Film Stories site each Friday for the next podcast recommendation. And that's it. We are done. Thank you very much for listening. And on a final note, you and me, we can light up the sky if you stay by my side. We can rule the world. I'm talking to you, Keanu. Bye. Movie should know.